Ephesians chapter 4. Um, can we start off by, I know we usually read scripture and then pray, but can we start off by praying? We can just close our eyes together. As I was praying for our morning earlier, a few hours ago, I, uh, I was overwhelmed by God's love for you guys. Like, brought me to tears kind of love. Just want you to know that he sees you today. His eye is on you. He's not forgotten about you. And what happens in your life, every part of it has a purpose. Your Father loves you, church. Thank you, God, for your great love for us. Thank you for your word. We ask that you would open our ears our minds, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us from your word today, for your glory and our good. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the sermon is A Divine Symphony of Love. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 4.16, but we're going to start in verse 11 reading just to give us some context. And I'm going to read out of the NIV because it's Just perfect. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be servants tossed back and forth by the waters or the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. This is our verse, verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Have you ever seen a, uh, a symphony being conducted by a conductor, an orchestra? If you have, you know that every part of the symphony takes its cues from the conductor. And the music will sound a little bit different depending on who is conducting. Well, in the symphony of God, Jesus is the conductor. It says here that he is the head of the body. The head, specifically the brain, like a conductor, is the command center of the rest of the body. In fact, if the brain goes dead, we all know this, that the rest of the body can't exist or it can't, it can't live. So it is in the church. No Jesus, there is no church. In Ephesians 2.22, Paul uses this illustration of a building, not a body, but a building. And he says that Christ is the cornerstone of that building. In other words, Uh, Everything else is built on the foundation of Jesus and gets its form and its cues and its direction from Jesus. But as we were praying a few weeks ago for the church, do you know there's people who pray for you guys? 
like don't even know your names and are praying for you all the time at this church. Not just people who are like on staff and get paid to do that. Like people in this body who intercede for you guys. And as we were, as we were praying together, um, God gave us this, this image of, of a symphony, of a symphony and a conductor where Jesus was the conductor. And like I said, if you've ever seen a, a conductor conducting a symphony, you know that every musician is tuned in and following the conductor's lead. The conductor de- determines the volume and the dynamics of what's happening in, in the music, right? The, the conductor will even often like instruct string players how they ought to move their bows. They'll signal certain instruments when to come in and other instruments when to go out. And the job of the musicians is to stay in sync with the conductor's pace and dynamic. Let me say it again. The musician's job is to stay in sync with the conductor's pace and dynamic. I heard the Israeli conductor Ital Talgum say recently that his role as a conductor is simply to create harmony. To take something so vastly different like a, a tuba and a violin and somehow make them harmonize. This is the kind of thing Paul is speaking of here. Jesus is the great conductor in the symphony of God and he, by his spirit, directs his symphony, the members of his church, in such a way that what comes out is harmonious, it's beautiful, it's even powerful. This is the design of God, guys. This is the design of God. And the reason Paul uses this illustration of a body is because it's the same way with the body. As the head directs each part of the body to do its work, the parts that are seen and the parts that are unseen, the possibilities in the body are basically endless and even harmonious, beautiful, and powerful. So that is the starting place, if you will, the conductor is the starting place. The symphony starts with the conductor. No conductor, no symphony. The body starts with the head. No head, no body. The the building starts with the cornerstone. No cornerstone, no building. Jesus, namely, is the starting place. He is the source. And the outcome, it says in our verse, the result where we'll end up is growing and building itself, the church, up in love. The source is Jesus, where we'll end up is growing and building itself up in love. Real quick here, uh, this word growing, it literally means increasing. Those of you, us who have seen like a kid grow into an adolescent and then an adult, they grow, they increase, not just in like size, but they increase in in, uh, how coordinated they are, right? They increase in their agility. They increase in their ability, and then with that, their, their uh, productivity and their efficiency increases. And with that, often, their influence increases. And their opportunity increases. And all of it with more ease. That is what it means to grow up. This is what Paul's talking about. The church is going to do this. It's not just going to get bigger. It's going to mature, right? It's going to increase. And then it says building itself up, which is just this architectural term referring to the actual constructing of a building. It says in Ephesians 2 that uh, we're the building of God, and we're all building blocks in God's 
building. Listen, think about it. We are the building of God. We are the building of God. This is not the building of God. This is 1954 Goodyear Avenue. We are the building of God. Yes, individually, but corporately, we are the the body of Christ, the building, the house of God. And this growing and this building up, it all happens, it says, in love. And the love that is spoken of here is not like a brotherly, dude, I love you, bro, kind of phileo love, like the Greek word phileo. This is the self-sacrificial, lay my life down for people around me, Christ-like agape love that we all want to have, right, but feel it's impossible, and it is really impossible to walk in apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. So those two things, the bookends and our goal are like this. Let me say it like this. Jesus is the source, and the end goal is growth and building that is wrapped in and constructed on a foundation of Christ-like love. So I've been sitting with this passage for uh, a few weeks now and just asking the Lord, Lord, what, what would it look like if, if that was actually the case, like in the church and in our church, in reality of Ventura, what would, that, what would that look like? And the simple answer externally, I think what it would look like is Acts chapter 2, right? Everybody's doing their part. They're all playing their role. They're in unity. And then all these people are getting saved because of it, right? Lives are being changed. The world is being changed, but my question with the Lord was like, yeah, okay, but like what is the operational component behind that? Like why, why does it work? Besides just like do what you're supposed to do, guys, and everything's going to work like it's supposed to. Because God's not like that. Like that's not good parenting, right? You don't say that to your kids. Just do what you're supposed to do because I said so. And if I say so, then it's going to be right. Right? That's our lazy parenting, those of us who are parents. We're like, when we don't want to like take the time to help walk them through the heart behind what we're saying, we say, because I said so. But God generally doesn't do that with us. He doesn't just say, go do it just because I said so. Although if he does say so, you should go do it. <laughs> but why does it work was my question. Well, here's, here's why I think it works. First of all, Here's what you got to know. Listen, our gifts and our godly characteristics and our unity do not change people's lives. Okay, so our gifts, our unity, our godly characteristics in and of themselves will not, cannot change people's lives. People's lives are changed when they come in contact with the living God, right? That's all of our story. But where we come in is that we were designed to image the living God. We were designed to image the living God. It was designed by God so that when people see us, they get an image or a reflection of God. And it's not because we're perfect. It's not because we are God or a God. But it is designed by God this way, and it is powerful. And that is what was happening in the book of Acts. In fact, in Acts chapter 11, it says, and this is the first place that believers were called Christians. Did you know that the Christians didn't give themselves the name Christian? Other people around them said, ha, that dude's like a little Christ. That's what it means. Christian literally means little Christ. That, those people look just like Jesus, in other words. They look just like, they're, they're like a reflection of Jesus. They're little mini Christs. Growth 
and building that is wrapped in and constructed on a foundation of Christ-like love would look like people around us seeing and understanding God by watching our lives. Romans 1.20 tells us that uh, the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen through creation, us included, through creation. God's divine power or his eternal power and his divine nature are revealed through his creation. More explicitly, though, Scripture tells us in 127 that we were created in the image of God. That is in the likeness of God, literally resembling God. Now, this isn't talking about a physical thing. God, God's not a man, right? This, isn't, this doesn't mean that we were created to resemble God by the way we look, but rather by the way we are. Like someone saying to my son, dude, you're just like your dad. You're just like your dad. That's what, that's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about, that God created humanity like that, to image, to reflect, to resemble God. And not like a, you better go look like God, figure it out. Like you're born resembling God. That's what it says. We were created in the image of God. We've said a lot recently that um, we image God best in community, right? Like you guys have heard that a lot if you've been coming to church. We image God best in, in community, in a community of believers, which is true. But here's the other side of that coin. It's not just that we image God best in community. I don't think it's possible to fully image God without a community of believers, God is multifaceted. He is multidimensional. And the scriptures tell us that we were created resembling him. Now, stick with me here. Stick with me. Now, each one of us individually resembles him. But in order to get the full resemblance of God, it seems that you must have all of the people working together in unity. And the more you have working together in unity the more of the multifaceted nature of God that is starting to be resembled. We do not all possess the same qualities or the same attributes to the same extent. This goes for the gifts of the Spirit, but this also goes for personality characteristics that each one of us have. So in one person, for instance, you may see like mercy just flowing out of them like a river. And you're like, whew, glad somebody's got mercy, right? Or you may, in you, you may have compassion that just wells up in you. But you don't have what she has over here because she's got this like leadership thing. And she doesn't have your compassion. Right? We've all seen this. Somebody say amen. Are you guys with me? Okay. We've all seen this, right? Like, dang, dude, they've got that thing. And they look at you and like, dang, they've got that thing. We are born like that. And then when we get saved, we are given unique gifts like that. However, we don't all have it to every degree. We don't all have everything to every degree. Which means that if it is all imaging God, that we can't reflect, resemble the full image of God unless every part 
is working together. But what happens when each individual person joins in with all the other individual people and they all start bringing their unique gifts and qualities and characteristics is that together we do image a fuller picture of who God is. We do image a fuller picture of his divine nature. This is why God created Adam and Eve, not Adam or Eve. Male and female together image God, but not separate. Not in, in the way that God intended it, at least. Only in part. And how many of you know, though, that male and female are vastly different? Right? Somebody who's ever been in a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex, say amen. amen. Vastly different. Some of you have been married for 40 years, still trying to figure out the other half, right? Amen, Hugh. Amen. It is the same in the body of Christ. Every human being, vastly different, male or female. We're all vastly different. Anybody who's ever had a relationship with anybody else, say amen. Amen. Right? We are vastly different. But every member of the body of Christ images God in a special, unique way. You're different than me. And I'm different than you. Because you've got a little bit more of that part of God's image than I do. And I've got a little bit more of that part of God's image than you do. It's like male and female. Because of their uniqueness, they are both essential in resembling the nature of God. So people in the body of Christ, because of our uniqueness, are essential, each one of us, in resembling the nature of God. Simply put, it is impossible to fully image the divine nature of God in solitude. It is like one member of a symphony trying to play all the parts of the symphony at the same time. It is impossible. People's lives are transformed, like I said, when they come in contact with the living God. But God's nature is imaged through us. But exponentially more, when every member shows up in unity with the other ones, it creates this symphony. When every member shows up in the uniqueness of who God has made them to be and plays their part. This is why it's called the body of Christ. The members, picture a body, the members of body, a body bringing all of this attention to the head, right? The, the symphony brings attention to the one conducting it, and there is no symphony apart from the conductor. So the body brings attention to the head. It images the head. The body images Jesus because image bearers always point to the one whose image they are bearing. Individually, we are becoming more and more like Jesus, but I may just be a finger, and the finger does image the head, but together when the, all the other fingers and the hands and the arms and the chest and everything inside that you can't see and the legs and the feet all resemble the head, the brain, the one who is Christ, the source of all things. And if you really want people around you to see a full image of Jesus, like, dude, if they could just see Jesus, right? You ever thought that? Like, if people could just see Jesus, like, they'd follow him. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't follow Jesus, Right? If they could just see Jesus. Listen, you want people to fully see Jesus? It requires the whole body because each one images a different part of who he is. 
And so when each body part does its work together, it images the head who is Christ. And then people start coming in contact with Jesus. This is what Christian maturity looks like, even as Billy talked about last week, that we would all become more and more like Jesus so that the world through us would see Jesus more and more. This is where we want to end up. This is God's plan of where we would end up. And God wants to activate his people to step into who he created and saved us to be so that we can image him more clearly and so that his image can be put on display through us more clearly so that people can see him. Because when they see him, everything is changed. Somebody say amen. God doesn't want us just using our gifts because it's the right thing to do, but rather he wants to share us to share in his heart for why we should be using our gifts. And his heart is that every tongue, every tribe, every nation, starting in your living room and your neighborhood, would come to saving knowledge of Jesus. Life is hard. Somebody say amen again. Life's hard, right? It's hard. Jesus is the best thing I got going for me. It's like he's the best part of my life, right? He is the best part of our life. I want people to know that one, that one, Jesus. So how do we get there? Well, Jesus is the source, right? And the goal is to be built up into this symphony where every member is doing their part and together looks just like the source, Jesus. But the road to get there is the remainder of our verse. This is like the path, right? The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament as each part does its work. The road to get there is every part doing their part. And Paul uses this illustration of a body, and it's wonderful, and it's perfect in so many ways. The problem is, it's hard to imagine a body with just one or two members. Like you've never seen a body with just a hand. No arm, just hand. You've never seen a foot, I mean a body with just a foot. No leg, just foot. Right? And yet, so many of us, this is how we try to create the body of Christ. Just a couple members, expecting it to like operate the way that it's supposed to. But this is why I think this symphony thing is so helpful, because you actually can imagine a piece of music with just one member, with just one instrument. You've never seen a symphony with just one instrument. That's not a symphony. That's called a solo act. And the kingdom of God is not a solo act. The kingdom of God is a symphony. It is a divine symphony led by the great divine conductor. The music is so much better when all the parts are doing their part. In fact, here's what I want to do. I want to do something a little bit different today. That's why I got my DJ computer here. I want to play conductor for just a second. We're going to put this up on the screen, okay? Yes, it works. Okay, listen. I want to play conductor for just a minute, okay? This is a, this is a recording session, and this is just 10 tracks, okay? So imagine these as like members in a body. Imagine these as members in a body or players in a symphony, if you will. 
And I want to illustrate this, okay? Now, first off, look it. Jeremy, is the sound on? Okay. Don't get scared, Jeremy. I'm going to play this, okay? And I want you to tell me what you hear. You guys hear that? You hear that? You can't hear it. You want to know why? See on the left, that little M button? That means everything's muted. This is what it sounds like, guys, when we all show up, but we don't really show up. All the tracks are there. All the, all the information is there. See those little, like, waveforms? That's all. That's, that's information right there. It's all there. Everybody showed up to the session. Everybody's here in my session, but nobody's unmuting themselves to actually participate. This is what happens when we show up to church or to community groups or to, to, to relationship with people and like, I'm just going to let everybody else kind of do their thing. And everybody's like, I'm going to let them all do their thing. And everybody's like, I'm going to let everybody else do everything. And he shows up and sounds like this. Right? But here's what it sounds like when everybody, I, wanna, I want you to hear what it sounds like when everybody shows up, okay? Sounds nice, right? It sounds like a symphony of music, doesn't it? But you know what happens more often than not? Here's what happens more often than not. Just this dude shows up. I mean, it's not bad. You're like, dude, nice voice. Like, you're, you're, a, you're a good member. Like, I, you're, you're playing a part. You're, it's cool. It's a good vocal. It's a good melody. It's a good lyric. Maybe it's the mouth showing up, right? That's the body part. It's showing up. It's, it's fine, but it's not like what you just heard, right? But as people start showing up, doing their part, here's what happens, right? All of a sudden, there's this other. That's not what I was trying to do. Listen, it's like this. Watch. This male vocal is going to show up, okay? There's just one. Just one. Just one other dude shows up. Listen. Ready? Okay, listen, now the congas are going to show up. It's just, just three people showing up doing their part. All of a sudden, you're like feeling some rhythm, right? But it still doesn't sound like it's supposed to. So let me introduce some female vocals here. Listen to the space. Right? She's filling space that nobody else could feel. That lead vocal couldn't fill it. The congas couldn't feel that. Only she could feel that. Listen again. That's her role. And this song is not complete without her. This song is not complete without her. But it's still not complete. It's starting to look like, man, I can kind of see Jesus. But not like fully. Because the whole body hasn't showed up yet. The whole symphony has not showed up, or if they have showed up, they're still sitting in their seats, just like, just muting, just hands behind their back, not doing their part yet. And then you bring in the guitar. Just a little bit. And then the keys. That's the keys. See how they feel in the mix. See this? And then look at this guy, he comes in. Right, he's playing a part nobody else could play. That lead vocal guy couldn't do that rappy thing. 
This other guy had to come in and do that thing. He's playing a part that makes it like feel soulful and got some swag finally. And then you bring in the drums. Now you start bobbing your head, right? It's like, okay, I'm in rhythm. I'm feeling in sync. But listen, the drums without the bass is like feet without legs. Some of y'all are like, dude, just the legs. I ain't got no feet. I just like move, but like I can't really walk. I just fall. You're the legs. The bass, listen, the drums without the bass, it's like missing the glue. Ready? No bass. Here's the bass. This. This is what a symphony sounds like when all the parts are doing their part, when everybody is coming together to do their part. Most of us listen to a recording like this, and we don't realize that there are dozens, sometimes hundreds of tracks all playing a specific role contributing to this like sonic magic that we experience. And though you may not know what to call it, that you may not know that it is a symphonic thing, we recognize it when we hear it. We're like, oh, that's nice, right? Musician or not, we recognize it when we hear it. And the reason we recognize it is because we were created in the image of God, and God is symphonic in nature. He exists in perfect harmony, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he created humanity in perfect harmony, male and female. A solitary Adam was not good enough, and a solitary Eve was not good enough, but together, harmony. Our ecosystem harmonizes with itself. This is why there's such a push for sustainable agriculture, because finally we got smart and said, dude, if you take out one or two parts of the ecosystem, everything starts falling apart. The entire universe operates like this. It is symphonic in nature. It is a symphony of community, if you will, and so is the body of Christ. I was struck this week by the fact that we are not just, there are not just body parts in this passage. Paul brings out this unique facet here that he doesn't bring out in other places when he says, there are also supporting ligaments. Look at, read it again, we'll put it on the screen. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. In places like 1 Corinthians 12, we see Paul referencing specific body parts like the hands and feet. But here he talks about ligaments that support and connect each body part to other body parts. If you're reading out of the NASB, it says every joint. There are supporting joints, like joints that hold parts together. The joints are vital, right? The ligaments are vital, but you know what? They don't get much glory. A hand, a hand always gets some glory. It's like always doing something. Mouth, mouth always gets some glory. It's always saying something. Ligaments, joints, you almost don't even notice them, right? Until they're not doing what they're supposed to do. 
several years ago, I was riding my bicycle to the studio every day, just like four or five miles from my house. And I had to take this stupid footbridge to get past the 101 to the other side of the 101. And one day I was riding home and I was kind of in a hurry and I was like, this is stupid. I don't like this footbridge. It's like a mile out of the way. I'm just going to go on the freeway just for one exit. There's a big shoulder. It's fine. What I didn't realize was that when they design storm drains for the freeway, they're different than the storm drains they design for bike lanes. The storm drains on the freeway have these big, huge slats in them, whereas the ones on the street and the bike lane are crisscrossed so that bicycles can ride over them. And so I'm standing up, getting on the on-ramp. I'm like, everything I got to do. And I see a storm drain in front of me, and I'm like, I'm going to ride over the storm drain. That's what I do every single day. And I go over, except for I didn't go over the storm drain. I went into the storm drain while my body kept going full speed ahead and landed on the pavement just like that, right? And so there's cars driving by me, honking. And uh, my wife says I learned my lesson. But I'm in pain at this point, right? I get up, my bike is broken. I'm like, oh, I'm all scraped up. My face is scraped up. And then I took a breath. And I, I could barely breathe. There was something wrong in here. My phone had died. I couldn't call my wife. So I walked four or five miles home, just limping, broken bike, right? I get home. My wife's like, what's wrong with you? Go to the doctor the next day. What had happened was my rib was torn apart from my sternum. So the cartilage in between had torn, and it felt like a broken rib. I couldn't barely breathe. I certainly couldn't cough or sneeze. There was no way I could sing. There was absolutely no way I could sing. I could barely sleep. This one seemingly insignificant piece of cartilage that I had never thought about in my life was temporarily out of operation. And my whole life was like put on hold for months. For months, it was put on hold. There are people in the body of Christ who are like that cartilage. They are like the ligaments, the joints, and without them, we are not okay. Some of you are those people. Without you, we are not okay. People with gifts of administration and gifts of helps and gifts of mercy and gifts of generosity. The intercessors in this room and at our church, without you, we are not okay. And you need to know that you may feel insignificant, like I'm just in a room full of a bunch of hands and feet, and I'm just in and mouths. I see all these people doing these obvious things. Listen, we are not okay without you. It's like this song right here. Listen, it's like this song. You take out, listen, Listen to the congas and guitar, okay? Most of you probably can't even notice. You're like, I don't know where the congas and guitar are. Okay, all I'm going to do is take them out, and you're going to notice. Ready? Now let me put them back in. They're like the glue that are holding this track together. If you heard this track without the congas and guitar, you'd be like, 
it sounds good, but there's something missing. It's not, I don't know what changed, but something's wrong. Those are the ligaments in the body of Christ. Those are the, 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 the ligaments in the symphony of God. Because of my gifts, I often get the microphone. I often get on the stage. But listen, there are people in this room who are in the shadows who would never in a million years get on stage. But I cannot do what I do without you. And you know it. You know who you are. I can't do what I do without your organization and without you championing me on and without your support and your hustle and your generosity. You are so often the practical connection between me and the rest of the body of Christ. Like the cartilage between my rib and sternum or like the guitar and congas in this recording. And then, when all of those ligaments and those joints, and then all the other parts are all doing their part, and everybody in unity, then what I am calling a divine symphony of love begins to play. And every person in proximity begins to experience the divine himself as he, the great conductor, orchestrates each member doing their part. So what's your part? What is your part? As subtle or as obvious as it may be. Some of you say, man, I honestly don't know, Dom. I don't know, man. I don't know what role I play in the body of Christ. Somebody asked me recently, is there like a way to find out? Like, how do I find out? Well, I don't necessarily recommend taking like a spiritual gifts test. Here's what I do recommend. Start serving the body of Christ, and gifts will appear. Like Chad said, uh, the body of Christ is not a restaurant. It's a house. You can go to a restaurant and get really good food without any participation, without any relationship. This isn't a restaurant. This is a house. This is a family. How do you find your gifts? Start serving the body of Christ. Why? Because the gifts are for the edification and building up of the body. Which means that if you're not interested in serving the body, God will not give you gifts because that's what he gives gifts for. Start serving, the gifts will appear. You will begin to notice that you have a certain affinity for stuff. You, you enjoy it. And you will notice that you will have a certain ability for stuff that maybe you didn't have before. And then people around you will begin to affirm that thing in you. It'll be like, huh, I think I have this gift. The NASB says that growing and building is done according to the proper working of each individual part, which means that there can be an improper working of each individual part. So I'll leave you today with four reminders, very quick reminders of how we properly do our part. Number one, stay in your lane. To work properly in your role in the body means that you stay in your lane. You don't try to play a role that someone else is intended to play. In other words, if my rib cage cartilage all of a sudden says, I want to be ear cartilage, then I'm back to no singing or sleeping or sneezing or coughing for the rest of my life. Second, stay involved. To work properly in your role in the body means that you stay involved. 
Some people are not even playing their instrument. Maybe you've stopped. Maybe you never started. And we're like, where's the congas at? Like, this is fine, but it's not the best. It's not how it could be. Listen, if you're sitting in your symphony chair, not participating, get involved. Third, stay in tune. To work properly in your role in the body means that you stay in tune. It's the job of the symphony to stay in tune and in sync with the conductor. Some of you guys playing your instruments, but you're just like so quiet and subtle, like, I don't know, because maybe somebody else is overshadowing or somebody's like overcompensating because somebody's not doing their part. Listen, get in sync with the heart of God. A friend of ours at the church saw this beautiful vision a year ago, and there was, there was this heart in the middle, and it was just pumping, and it was the heart of God. It was just beating in rhythm, and we were all around it, us, our church, we were all around it, and we were dancing all like out of time, just like jellyfish, you know, just dancing out of time, and then all of a sudden, we stopped, and we looked at the heart, and we started like bobbing our heads in sync, and then we all started moving in sync, and it was like, and it was this like symphonic army, all in sync with God's heart. And lastly, to work properly in your role means that you do it in love. You stay in love. Paul said it like this. If I speak in the tongues of men or the tongues of angels or I got the gift of prophecy or I have faith that I can move mountains, that's some crazy faith. If I sell everything I have and give it to the poor, that's some crazy generosity. But I do not have love. I am Nothing. I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal and not the right ones played at the right time in the symphony. The foundation, motivation, and end goal of every spiritual gift must be love. I'll finish by reading our passage one more time, this time from the New Living Translation. So he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This church is is a divine symphony of love. Let's pray. Jesus, you have been conducting since the beginning. Thank you for inviting us into your symphony. We want to, each one of us, play our role no matter what it is. Thank you for the special ways that you have created each individual in this room. Thank you for emphasizing certain parts of your character and image in each one of them. People so different than me, Lord, and beautiful in the way they image you. Would you help us to honor one another as such? And would you help us to, in a sense, honor what you have put in us, Lord? I want to honor what you've done in me and not try to be something else. I pray for the person who has felt very insignificant and just like the person in the back of the symphony who just plays the bass drum every 
32 bars. Or the, the guitar, it was such a simple but critical part of this recording. It feels like, ah, I'm, nothing. I'm not the vocal, I'm not the drums, I'm not the foundational bass, I'm just this guitar. Lord, I pray that you would show that person how vital that guitar is in your symphony. Wake up our hearts, Lord. Wake up the gifts in your people. Wake us up to the rhythm of your heartbeat. Jesus, our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. As we enter into this second set, communion elements are available here. None of this would be possible without Christ's work on the cross. This is what he has done. He has brought us into himself. I invite you to come and remember that, Christian. The carpets are here for us to take postures of praise, postures of su surrender, to help our, our hearts respond to God. And there will be people on the left and the right of the stage. They're part of our prayer team. They would love to pray with you for whatever you need.